From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company, only on ESPN Las Vegas. In any language, the epic ending to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas and demand. I still can't get over saying the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, even as we kick off a Tuesday, Cofield and company. Steve Cofield's going to be alongside in a minute. I'm Adam Candy. DeMond Cotton is alongside. We'll have our usual Tuesday fun with Sammy P, Sam Paniotovich, as well as Miles Simmons in just about 10 minutes. Uh, Trey Wingo, former ESPNer and NFL man about town, will be joining us. Trey's going to tell us a little bit about his Vegas experience at the Super Bowl as he was down there on Radio Row promoting a lot of what he's going on. But, uh, Damon, it's a Tuesday after the Super Bowl. Vegas is just starting to, shall we say, recover? Get back to normal a little bit? Does it feel like we're, does it feel like we're in any sort of Vegas uh, Super Bowl hangover right now? Or, or you feel like we're uh, still living the party? What, what's, what's, the, what's the feel right now? It's one of those things where I know it's over, but I don't want it to be. Where the excitement, the hustle and bustle of last week, I know it's a lot of tax for people that had to work, but it's, I kind of miss it already. Sad that it's over is what I'd say. And I'll tell you what stands out to me about that. We're going to get into this as the show goes on a little bit, but what jumps out to me about that is a little different than F1, huh? Just, just, just a little different than F1. The projections were they were going to be about the same. <laughs> well, uh, the feelings, I don't know. I don't know if anyone projected vibes, but if they were projecting vibes, Damon, uh, the vibes a lot higher on the Super Bowl than they were on F1. Let's get into the three. Adam, you've been gone a long time. I know. We just keep it moving I'm just today. Waiting for you to kick, I'm waiting for you to kick something. Hey, 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 hey. I didn't ask to be gone. I didn't ask to be gone. But sometimes, sometimes you guys serve one of those like double secret secret probation suspensions you know what i mean like like mike couldn't tell anybody that he had to go play baseball because of david stern getting him on getting on him about gambling but uh th- th- that wasn't me i'm just telling you i was gonna say how much did you, you lose no 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 you you go you go ask you go ask steve cofield you you go ask q you, you never know what you might find out double secret probation double secret probation i i didn't do anything as bad as what the PGA Tour players would make you think happened at the Phoenix Open this weekend. I didn't do anything like that. Uh, let me start here. Damon, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, how familiar are you with the reputation of this tournament? What, what do you know about the Phoenix Open? That it's a party. Who cares about the golf, baby? Party! Ooh, ooh, ooh. Exactly what y'all are waiting to hear today. Yeah, we all know that the Phoenix Open is supposed to be the biggest party in golf, right? And according to the snowflakes, the golfers on the PGA Tour, it got a little too big. The party got to be a little too much. There was too much partying going on. It was too much partying. Guys were guys were yelling during backswings. 
Some dude went out there and tore his shirt off and went diving into a sand trap. Oh, my God. Oh, the carnage of it all. The carnage. Damon, it was terrible. It was. I watched a TikTok of a bartender who said they had to stop serving alcohol because too many people were coming in, too many people were getting rowdy. They said, you know what, the entire event, you're all cut off. So, I mean, let's go, Adam. I mean, they, maybe they have points. No. No. <laughs> no more alcohol sales for you. This might be the biggest party in golf, but no more alcohol sales for you. And now the tournament director came out in the wake of it all and said, we didn't like what happened Saturday. The players didn't like what happened on Saturday. The tour didn't like what happened on Saturday. And we can promise you there are going to be changes next year. And you know what I have to say about that? You know what that makes me feel? Because I love golf. I love a sport that promotes fair play, that promotes honesty, that promotes calling your own penalties. And I hate the fact that we can't just have one week a year when we have fun on tour. Let's just enjoy ourselves one week a year. If it's supposed to be the biggest party in golf, are you telling me that your buddies who go out with you on the course or that foursome in front of you has never gotten so loaded that they have affected your experience, that no one's ever yelled in the middle of your backswing? Let it go. Stop being so pure about this. If you want to market this thing as the biggest party in golf, guess what? It's going to get out of hand sometimes. It's going to be fun, so let it be fun. Why is it with golf and tennis that nobody can ever say anything when you're playing the game? Can you imagine with the Super Bowl if Patrick Mahomes, before the fourth down, Patrick Mahomes had just stepped away from Creed Humphrey. He stepped back. He went over to the referee and said, um, excuse me, Mr. Mr. Vinovich, Mr. Referee, can, can you please ask the crowd to quiet down because I can't, I can't hear... I can't hear myself calling the play, and I feel like we might we might screw up. I'll make it even closer to us. When, let's say last week on Radio Row, where I could hear other shows going on during Cofield and Company. Steve's not going up to other shows and be like, "Hey guys, it's uh, can you keep it down a little bit? I can't focus on my show because I hear you talking." Just stop it, all of you. Stop it. I get it. I got what Billy Horschel was saying. Billy Horschel went up to a fan in the crowd and said, this is our job. You shouldn't be doing this. I understand there is a lot of money at stake. Mm -hmm. But if everybody goes in knowing that this is the fun week, the same way that everybody goes into the U.S. Open knowing this is the week the pros are all going to look like us because the course is impossible, right? Let's just have one fun week a year. Come on, PGA. Just let it... Let it be. Like, let, let us enjoy it. Let us not only enjoy it in person. Let us enjoy it on television. Let us, let us have fun watching something that we don't always watch. Golf needs the help. Golf needs the ratings. In a way, Devon, that the NFL absolutely does not need the ratings. The most watched Super Bowl broadcast in history. And it's all because Colin Kaepernick brought everyone back, right? Colin Kaepernick. Wait a minute. No, that's not the way the story was supposed to go, right? I thought that I thought that the NFL went woke and everyone stopped watching. Is that not what happened? Yeah, go woke, go broke. You know the saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the NFL went broke this week. Nobody watched it. Oh, that's right. It was the Oh, it was, oh, it was the most watched Super Bowl in history. Interesting. I had no idea. Hmm. I'll let, I guess I'll let y'all let y'all think about that one. 123.4 
million viewers across all platforms. Uh, pretty damn impressive. Uh, Demond, was it was it Taylor for you? Was it Taylor? Is that why you watched? Did for you watch me, it Taylor? definitely Taylor Swift. All the Swifties that she brought in. Yeah. I mean, made a difference yeah. for me. Never watched a game of football a day before in my life. Yeah. But I had to see what Taylor's boyfriend was going to do. I I must admit that my significant other was far more interested in the game as someone who, uh, as recently as a few months ago, spent $2,200 on a ticket to the Taylor Swift concert. She was, uh, she was a little more interested than she might have been. And she was actually a great help to me because they kept showing Taylor's box and I... Uh, Taylor's luxury suite, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Who am I? Who am I looking at right now? Like, it, who is that very well manicured French poodle? Is that Blake Lively? Oh my God! Like, like, oh my goodness! What is going? What is going on there? And then, Damon, as an old man, as a resident old person, I got to learn about Ice Spice. Even the way you said it, <laughs> uh huh, Ice Spice." Yeah. Ice Spice. I got to learn about. I got to learn about the sixth Spice Girl, Ice Spice. Like I, I had no idea that there was a sixth Spice Girl. Right? That's that's who she is. No, she is a rapper from New York. Oh, oh. I want to ask you a question. Yes or no? Okay. I don't. I'm not going to give you the context. Mm. In one of her uh, in her breakout mm. single, Bikini Bottom, she asked, you know, mm. she's calling men munches. Are you a munch? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I will have to ask other people in Taylor's um, luxury suite about that. Maybe we can ask Trey Wingo about that. We're going to talk to Trey Wingo here in just a minute here on ESPN Las Vegas. Trey was in here for the Super Bowl. What did he think? Did he think this would ever happen? Cofield and company rolling along on Tuesday afternoon. The voice of Andy Reid talking to Jim Nance up on the podium from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas after the Kansas City Chiefs won their second consecutive Super Bowl. Adam Candy, DeMond Cotton, Steve Cofield joining us in the 4 o'clock hour for the remainder of the show. And we'll send it out to the phone lines. A man who not only knows his Super Bowl very well, his NFL very well, but after a week in Las Vegas, Trey Wingo from Stunt from 33rd Team, find him talking NFL in all of those places. Trey, I would ask you about your Vegas experience off the top, but I want to give everybody one of your tweets to kind of set the stage for what it was like for you uh, a few days ago. <laughs> you tweeted, nothing says Super Bowl week in Vegas more than a philosophical discussion with my Russian Uber driver about geopolitics and flat earth theories, and I have to think that was not on your bingo card when you first arrived for the Vegas Super Bowl. Maybe it should have been right. What what isn't on the bingo card in Vegas? Uh, uh, he was he was quite an interesting fellow. We had uh, we had a lot of discussions about a lot of different things, and I was like, all right, this is where we're going. Let's let's uh, let's just go with it. I'll I'll go I'll go along for the ride. There you go. Vegas full of surprises as always, and uh, as someone who has been around the NFL as long as you have, Trey, perhaps the biggest surprise was, of course, that the Super Bowl was being held in Las Vegas at all. Um, thinking back on your time covering the NFL and its relationship to legal sports betting and legalized gambling over the years and how that has evolved, uh, 
how would you describe seeing the league get to a point where its crown jewel was being held across from the Las Vegas Strip? Yeah, we're all old enough to remember when Tony Romo, the quarterback, was barred from holding a fantasy football convention in a Las Vegas hotel because it had a casino in it, uh, which is we've come a long way, right? Uh, and the, once the Supreme Court changed the ruling, obviously the NFL uh, realized there was money to be made. And I will say this. There are a lot of good places to have a Super Bowl. Uh, Vegas is at the top of the list. I mean, you want to talk about a place that knows how to put on a big event and has the logistics to handle a big event. Uh, Vegas surpassed every possible test. I mean, every, I love a Super Bowl city where everything's right downtown, right? Where you have all that stuff within uh, a short distance of each other and almost everything was on the strip. And, you know, you could walk to the stadium, you know, the media center and all that kind of stuff. I, I would not be shocked at all if we have a continuing rotation of Super Bowls in Las Vegas. No, I don't think any of us would be uh, would be terribly surprised by that. Uh, Trey Wingo joining us here on Cofield and Company. Uh, what was your most Vegas experience of the week when you were here for uh, for the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, trying not to have a Vegas experience would be the answer. Would be the answer. <laughs> uh, I was I was in the room uh, pretty early every night because uh, doing a lot of work and just knew and there was a lot of uh, a lot of promotion for the stunt and the new podcast I have with Amazon and Wondery and all this other stuff. So we were, uh, we were just pretty much trying to, uh, I, I guess the, the, the Russian Uber driver would have been the most Vegas experience <laughs> of the entire week for me. Trey, when it comes to the buildup for the actual game, when it comes to trying to promote yourself, do you get, get lost or are you just such a veteran that you're, you know how to game plan for it that on Sunday you got to think and wake up and say, hey, I got an actual game to watch? Yeah, it's a business trip, right? The, the, all the other things are sideshows. And, you know, it's, it's funny. You do enough of these. I think this was my 30th Super Bowl. Like, all of them are, you know, all the parties, they're all the same. You know, they're all really the same. It's just, oh, this act is here. Or this act is here. Loud noises, you know. So none of that was really appealing. Uh, so for me, it was just about getting down and getting through the logistics of the week and seeing what unfolded on Sunday. And it was just a crazy, crazy experience. Troy Wingo joining us here on Cofield and Company with Adam Candy, Damon Cotton. Trey, of course, uh, doing a lot of NFL content, as he mentioned, uh, getting things going with uh, with Stunt App, with his new Amazon podcast with uh, 33rd Team as well, and kind enough, to, kind enough to give us a little bit of time. Uh, Trey, you referenced how the game unfolded, and I know a lot of smart people who had a lot of smart takes about the game, and I would say none of it played out in a way that any of them uh, had much of a prediction for. Uh, how did it match up to what you expected? Well, listen, um, here's what I've learned over the years. Bet against 15 at your own peril. That would be, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. And uh, my prediction, I put it out there Saturday night, and I said, what's the one rule in Vegas, right? The house always wins, Right. The house always wins. The Chiefs are the house. They are in their fourth Super Bowl uh, in six years. Uh, they're third in five years and uh, uh, looking to win back-to-back games. Been there, done that. Bet against them at your own peril. They, they brought in the better quarterback, and they brought in what I thought was the better defense at that time. And I think the Chiefs defense played remarkably well uh, in the postseason. So, I, I put it out there, and you can check it on my Instagram or on Twitter. Saturday night, the house always wins. The Chiefs are the house. So I, I, rode, with, I rode with the Chiefs, and I was 
not surprised by the outcome. It took a little while for them to get started. You know, you can't lose the game. You can't win the game in the first half, guys, but you can lose it. And I think the 49ers might have lost the game in the first half of the Super Bowl. They were absolutely dominant in almost every phase of the game and somehow only had a seven-point lead. And it felt like they should have been up by at least 17 points. At least 17 points. So, to me, that was, uh, that was where I think San Francisco had their opportunity to seize the game and couldn't do it. Well, you talk about the house always winning with the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, his record against the spread as an underdog is incredible. But also, in each Super Bowl that he's played in, he's been down by at least 10 points. So when they were down by double yeah. digits, were you worried at all? Got them right where they want them. I mean, uh, let me give you my one of my favorite number nuggets about uh, Mahomes. And uh, this is not a small database because they've been keeping this kind of information in the NFL since 1950. Uh, this was the 11th game in which the Chiefs, with Mahomes as their quarterback, had trailed in a postseason game by seven or more points. And as you alluded to, all three, actually all four Super Bowls, because they lost 131-9, they've been down by double-digit points. Um, but in those games, when they have been down by seven or more at any point, their record is 9-2. and two. That's a winning percentage of well north of 800%. To put that in perspective, minimum 10 games played, the next best winning percentage for a quarterback and his team in a situation in a postseason game where they're trailing by seven or more is 10 and 11. And that's Tom Brady's teams combined uh, either in Tampa Bay or in New England. So he's winning at 80, or the Chiefs with Mahomes are winning at over 80%. And no one else is even at 500 when they're trailing by seven or more in a postseason game. That, that's the kind of outlier we're talking about when you look at the start of Patrick Mahomes' career. I know you've been leaning in on the Michael Jordan comparison in uh, in recent times a lot. I've I've heard that a little bit more with Patrick Mahomes, and as someone who grew up as a New York Knicks fan, I can't imagine something more apt because I look at these San Francisco teams and I see that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done just about everything that you can possibly do to put a Super Bowl contending team on the field. And you run into twice Michael Jordan in the Super Bowl, who makes yeah. you pay for even the slightest of mistakes. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason Barkley doesn't have a ring. There's a reason Carl Malone doesn't have a ring. There's a reason Phil Nicholson has less than what? What about a third of Tigers majors? Sometimes the other guy's just better, right? And we all do this, and we're all guilty of it. We dissect every single thing. If they'd done this, or if Kyle Shanahan had done this, and. Before. At the end of the day, sometimes the other guy's just better. And by the way, it's not just Mahomes. I think defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo was unbelievable in this game. And there are two instances I can think of clearly right off the top of my head. Third and five, two-minute warning. Right? They get a first down there. Basically, the Niners have an opportunity to drain the clock uh, and kick with about 15, 20 seconds left, essentially ending the game like the Chiefs did last year. Right. So what does Spags do? Calls all-out pressure, zero coverage, on the back, uh, and McDuffie gets, or is it McDuffie or Edwards, I can't remember, gets right into Purdy's face, and the, the pass is incomplete. Kick the field goal, allows the Chiefs go down, and kick the tying field goal to send it to overtime. And then in overtime, on that great first drive that lasted over seven and a half minutes, third and whatever from the goal line, and uh, what somehow Chris Jones comes unblocked again, and Purdy has to dirt it for he can get it to Juwan Jennings. And oh, by the way, Juwan Jennings, if the, if the uh, Niners had won, he would have been the MVP of the game. You know, only Nick Foles uh, can make the same claim as John Jennings as to throw a touchdown pass and catch a touchdown pass 
on Super Bowl Sunday. So to me, I, I thought that those two things really stood out, and, and that's where you know defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo just was unbelievable for Kansas City. And he's the first coordinator, guys, offensive or defensive in NFL history with four Super Bowl rings. I mean, this guy's this guy's a Hall of Fame coordinator uh, on every level. Yeah, and for those who have not been following long enough, you can go back to Steve Spagnuolo as the Giants defensive coordinator doing it against Correct. Tom Brady when Tom Brady was at the peak of his powers as well. And so, the unbeaten uh, season. It's a track the record. unbeaten season. Yeah. Yep. Eight. Uh, trust me, Trey, as a Giants fan, 18-1 and one, uh, will always live in a special place. <laughs> special, special place uh, for me yeah. in my head. Uh, Trey, as you look at – all right, let, we're already – on to next season, right? And we look forward to right. what comes, you know, what what comes in the draft and what comes for next season in the National Football League. We've we've spent plenty of time trying to shovel some level of dirt on the Kansas City Chiefs once Tyreek Hill was gone, you know, 12 games into this season. Right. What will it take for another franchise to be able to knock this Kansas City team off because it feels like one of those things where they built up a young receiving core, they've built up a young defense. This was the time to get them. And I know we all fall into some level of prisoner of the moment with this stuff, but I'm curious what you think the makeup of a team that can beat Mahomes and Reed looks like. Well, obviously injuries would be a huge part of that, right? That's the thing that no one knows. You know, after the Patriots unbeaten season, you know, Bernard Pollard, uh, then with the Kansas City Chiefs, went low on Tom Brady, tore his ACL, and we have the Brady rule because of it. So, obviously, injuries are the number one thing. I will also say history. Like, we're talking about something that's never been done. No one has ever won three straight Super Bowls. The Patriots never did it. The Cowboys never did it. The 49ers never did it. The Steelers of the 70s never did it. The Packers of the 60s never did it. That, that's a significant thing. But you're right. This was the most flawed team that he's had. Uh, they led the league in drops from wide receivers. They had the most penalized player in football, where they paid a lot of money to Juan uh, Taylor, the right tackle. They averaged under 22 points a game, fewest in the uh, fewest in the Mahomes era. They only had 11 regular season wins. This, they were as flawed as flawed could be. And when the bright lights were there, they said, "We're good." And that defense was unbelievable. And that offense, which was, you know, outside of the interception, really didn't make the big mistake. In Pacheco fumble on the playoffs. You know, they went through the second, third, fourth, and sixth ranked defenses in the NFL. They obviously have to address the wide receiver thing. Um, you cannot go into next year with Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney and Marquez Valdez-Scantling behind Rashi Rice. I think Rashi Rice is going to be a really good receiver. I think he's going to be a legitimate number one. They have to find another receiver. Obviously, there's some free agency concerns for Kansas City. Uh, Chris Jones is a free agent. Legarius Sneed, who was an amazing cover corner is a free agent. Willie Gay is a free agent. I think Willie Gay is all but gone. Sneed is likely gone. I think they're going to try and keep Chris Jones. But there's going to be some changes. Um, but at the end of the day, Barkley said it once when he won the MVP. I'd like to thank Michael Jordan for not being on his best this season, which allowed me to win the award. I mean, that's what it's going to take. And it's going to take them not playing like we know them playing uh, in the postseason. Because if you don't start next year with the Chiefs at number one, like, I, I don't know what to say to you. Like, you know, <laughs> what, what, give me the logic outside of history that, it, I mean, like, everything is there for them. I mean, Mahomes at 28, there's only three players in NFL history that have multiple Super Bowl MVPs and multiple super, uh, regular season MVPs. Uh, Joe Montana had two regular season MVPs and three Super Bowl MVPs. 
in 16 seasons. Tom Brady had three regular season MVPs and five Super Bowl MVPs in 23 seasons. Patrick Mahomes has two regular season MVPs and three Super Bowl MVPs in really six seasons. I mean, it's his seventh season, but he only started one game. He wasn't the starter. So I'm not, I'm not putting that on his resume. In six seasons, he's been the Super Bowl MVP half the time. And one-third of the time, he's been the regular season MVP. I mean, this is, this is the kind of ridiculous stuff we're talking about here. Absolutely amazing. I had one more question queued up about Russia and Ukraine, but it looks like we're out of time, Trey. So I'll probably have to <laughs> save that one for talk you to, and your Uber driver for, uh, so, for next so, yeah, time. Talk, talk to Sergey, my Uber driver. He's got it fixed. <laughs> Trey, uh, great stuff, man. Uh, t- tell the folks where they can find all of the work you're doing on our way out here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, doing the stuff with the stunt app. It's uh, basically Twitter just for sports without all the garbage, you know, like flatter theories and, and uh, geopolitics. Uh, it's just <laughs> a sports fans conversations. You want to download that, you can do that. Uh, I work with the 33rd team, Chase Daniels, and I have a podcast. Got a new podcast coming out with Kevin Frazier called Alternate Routes. It drops on March 5th. The premises take one play in sports history, flip it the other way, and what happens? What if Marshawn Lynch had gotten the ball instead of throwing it inside the Super Bowl 40? And how would that have changed everything? Uh, and that's going to be dropping March 5th. A lot of fun with Kevin and I, and also do a lot of work for the PGA Tour and some golf with NBC over the summer. So that's where you'll you'll find me. Well, we uh, we have plenty of places to find you, and I'm very curious to check out the uh, the one with Kevin there. That sounds like it's going to be really cool. Trey, we appreciate your time, man. Thank you. You got it, guys. Take care. That's Trey Wingo. As you uh, heard, you can find Trey's work in any number of platforms you can find steve cofield in just a minute he'll be with us from fresno where unlv is getting ready to take on the bulldogs cofield and company here on your tuesday afternoon now back to cofield and company in the finley toyota studio on espn las vegas Before we get to the business at hand here on Cofield and Company, because Damon has thoughts on Tony Romo's final call in the Super Bowl on CBS, I want Damon to know that if you were listening earlier and you heard Damon ask me if I was aware of what Ice Spice meant by a munch, I was pretty sure. But on that last break, I took a quick trip over to Urban Dictionary just to confirm, and I 100% was right. I am proud of myself. Um, I think I just shaved five years off my age, Damon, because I knew exactly what Ice Spice was talking about, and what she was talking about with Munch was those commercials she did with Ben Affleck, Munchkins, at Dunkin' Donuts. Exactly. Right. Easy easy you gotta come you gotta come a little harder at me next time you come get you know give me something you think i can't can't handle all right all right i i i'm mixed i am mixed when it comes to everything i hear about how the super bowl was called jim nance and tony romo and do, do we get too much into this does anybody really remember this stuff in the long run like are we still going to be sitting around years from now thinking about whether Nance and Romo screwed this up. But, you know, in the moment, I think it's fair because I can think of myself, Damon, going back years on years on years to listen to 
the calls of my team's winning championships when I go back on YouTube. And, like, there's certain calls I can remember in my head, word for word, that happened 20 years ago. And it's not just because I'm sick. It's also because some of these calls were, were fairly iconic. So why don't we queue up what happened there at the end of the game on the Mahomes to Nicole Hardman touchdown. You move to the second quarter. That's right, because I can only feel the number of people out there being like, what's going on? First and goal. Mahomes swings it. It's there! Hardman! Jackpot! Kansas City! And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special. We talked about he was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hardman, who they didn't have, right? And they go get Hardman and bring him back. And the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career, he's been waiting for. He's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it in an overtime. He is the best. He is the standard for Michael Jordan wins it again. Hey, all right. Woo, a lot of words. A lot, a lot of words there. Damon, did Tony Romo ruin it? He did not ruin it at all. He's starting off the clip. He's explaining why if you're worried about the time running out, hey, don't worry about the overtime rules. He's explaining that for a lot of people at home who did not know about the new overtime rules. He lays out for Jim Lance, Jim Lance as he calls the actual action for the touchdown, and then he gives analysis on why the play worked. What's wrong with that? Okay. Are you familiar with the broadcast concept of laying out? Yes. Okay. So when we talk about laying out in a broadcast, you're talking about letting the pictures, the sounds take over, right? You're letting them do all the description because, and I will tell you this as someone who has done a lot of radio in my life and a lot of radio play-by-play, the first time I started doing anything TV-related, I got lucky that I happened to be at NBA Summer League and I was in the media room when Mike Breen was there and... I knew Mike Breen had a radio background, and I said to him, hey, man, like, do you have any tips for guys who are going from radio to TV? Like, what should you do? And he said, identify, don't describe, right? The pictures describe exactly what's going on. You just identify the people who are involved. And I know that's for play-by-play. And I think Jim Nance did fine. Um, I think he probably owes... A steak dinner to Brent Musburger, who went for the jackpot call for football in Vegas a long time before Nance did. But, you know, that's uh, it's neither here nor there. But I don't think years from now, when Chiefs fans go back, they want to hear Tony Romo talking about Mecole Hardman having been on the Jets when they're remembering winning the Super Bowl. There was plenty of time to talk about that, but give it some room to breathe. That's all I would say. I don't think anything Tony Romo said was wrong. But if you're a Chiefs fan and you cue this up on YouTube and you're watching McCole Hardman catch this touchdown, jackpot, Kansas City, and then it's Tony Romo going on about McCole Hardman wasn't even on the team and Andy Reid's special. And just, hey, 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 shh. Say less. Say less. Just chill, bud. Like, we, we know you're going to analyze the play. We get it. And I agree with you that what he said before, explaining the whole overtime thing. There, there weren't two humans in America who understood the overtime rules, Damon. Me included. I knew everybody gets a possession, but I'm watching the clock run down. I'm like, what are they doing? It's going to run out on them. And I'm like, oh, wait, hold, hold on. They get to 
they get to play another what do we do we go to the second overtime quarter and play one play I don't I don't understand any of it. Did you know what was going on? Were you aware of the overtime rules? No, I was just like you watching at home on the TV. Oh, call, they need to call a timeout. And Tony Romo explained, hey, for those of you wondering why they're not calling a timeout, and he gave a perfect explanation, ran up on the start of the new play a little bit. But as he said it in my head, I was like, oh, I'm glad he said that. And that's exactly it. Before the play, when we have a break in the action, when there is nothing going on, Anthony, that is your time to weigh in and give us all of your irreverence. That's what I don't care. You want to talk to me about Skechers? Talk to me about Skechers. I don't, I, as soon as the play starts, I just want the play to breathe. I want it hmm, yoga style. Breathe in. Breathe out. And let Nicole Hardman catch the touchdown and run around the end zone. And then there is time to come back with a coherent thought after that of... Hey, y'all, remember when McCall Hardman fumbled the ball across the damn goal line a couple of weeks ago? Remember when we thought he was going to be put out to pasture somewhere in Missouri? Yeah, pretty cool redemption story, right? Just just, just let it live, man. Just just let it live. Let, let me call Hardman live, but let us live too. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, all right, all right. Let's talk a little. Uh, let's talk a little NBA here on Cofield and Company. Demond Cotton alongside me, Adam Candy, Steve Cofield, going to join us in just a few minutes. He's up in Fresno, getting ready for UNLV, coming off one of its biggest wins of the year last week, taking on Fresno State um, in the National Basketball Association. We have certain recurring characters who. We just, we can't decide if we want to get away from Damon. We like the stories that Draymond gives us, right? We, we know that Draymond Green gives us content. He gives us things to talk about, but he also raises our blood pressure. Um, we watch him do things that we say, that's not smart. That's not sane. That's not wise. Whatever you want to call it. Um, and yet it never seems to really slow down the train all that much, does it? Uh, another big spot for Draymond now. Uh, in fact, one that it kind of feels like the league is pushing. The league is 1,000% pushing this as we're going to get, let's say, the NBA equivalent of a Manning cast with Charles Barkley and Draymond Green. As an alternate broadcast that you can watch on True TV or Max, for the NBA All-Star Game. I have never seen someone get more of a reward instead of punishment for his deeds. I'm sure other players out there in the NBA, they should say, why, why aren't I kicking people in the nuts and hitting people all the time? This is the reward. A show with Barkley. Also, he's not even taking it as a slight because he's not an All-Star. Charles Barkley, by the way, is someone who I think is a fantastic commentator. I think he's a well-deserved top 75 player of all time. I also can recognize that it wasn't all that long ago that Charles Barkley was arrested for DUI with a lady of the night in the car with him 
and he told the officer that uh, he was uh, he was sorry. He was just trying to get a um, well. He wasn't trying to get a full time job. He was trying to get a different kind of job, um, and uh, that's why he that's why he broke the traffic laws while he was under the influence. He's he's had four run ins with the law over the course of time. My point here is. Neither one of these guys is someone who I think is going to be giving the character talk to the rookies at the summit next year uh, when it comes to Barkley and Draymond Green. But with Draymond, why are we doing it right now? Is there no message to be sent for everything that Damon just mentioned? Right? I understand that the narrative this time went that he needs help. He's going to go get help. Okay. We all sometimes need help. And... You only get to the, go to that well once if it's going to be about, like, well, he needs counseling, right? He needs to talk to somebody and get himself under control. You only get to go to that once. But has he really shown us, like, have we seen enough, Damon? Have we seen enough contrition? Have we seen enough of D- Draymond on the straight and narrow that we should be at the point where the NBA, in its biggest marketing event of the year, is giving him a starring role? We haven't seen enough contrition at all. I saw a tweet earlier today where it says, I think the suspension for Draymond was just promo for his podcast. Something to give him more content to talk about because it's obviously not a lesson that he's going to you know, take deeply and figure out what's wrong. And I hate, I hate the narrative of, hey, he needs help. There's, nothing, there's no mental issue going on with Draymond. Maybe an anger issue, but nothing that's deep-seated that he needed to talk to someone or maybe a couple of weeks of therapy was going to help him figure out. And also for me, the NBA, Jamal Crawford is going to be a part of this broadcast as the guy on the sideline. I think Jamal Crawford is more entertaining. Have him, have it be him with Barkley. Another guy, he's retired. I don't care about the contract situation. From Indianapolis, Jeff Teague. The Club 520 podcast that he does is fantastic. A terrific storyteller. Very entertaining and could have been a hometown guy to do this with. More options that you could have went out instead of rewarding Draymond Green. I just, it seems unnecessary to me. It seems like a move that there were a lot of other ways you could have gone instead of this. There were so many people that you could have put with Barkley. Because keep in mind, when Charles Barkley is there, Charles Barkley is the show. Charles Barkley is going to be the guy with the spotlight, the guy who is is saying the things that people are going to remember and you almost put two ends of the same magnet together when you put Barkley and Draymond Green in the same spot. And let's not forget that these guys have had their own beef in the past. Charles Barkley saying he wanted to punch Draymond Green in the face. And I wanted to say to Charles, yes, I understand that was your shtick first, but it's Draymond's <laughs> now. Don't try to steal. Don't try to bite. Okay. Don't try to steal his thing. Don't try to steal it. Hey, there's a lot of questionable things going on right now in the association in fact we just had one last night and has nothing to do with the golden state warriors but it has everything to do with something that i know you guys love to talk to old adam candy about nba refereeing adam candy's always got to be the guy to come in here and try to speak up for the refs and take up for the stripes and uh man you guys have me between a rock and a hard place today because this time it's the ref screwing over the New York Knicks. Man, this one is all of the challenge for me at the same time. You want to set this up, Damon? What happened last night? Last night, the New York Knicks in a tie ball game against the Houston Rockets. In Houston, by the way, you know, people want to consider this some home cooking. 
New York Knicks star point guard Jalen Brunson. Excuse me, I can't think of the player for the Houston Rockets who shoots a three, but Jalen Brunson contests the shot off to the side. The light goes off. We're all thinking overtime, but then you hear a whistle after the light, after the shot's already been missed, and the Houston Rockets are awarded three free throws. Now, let's set a little more piece of the scene. The New York Knicks did not have a challenge remaining when this play happened at the end of overtime, right? And here's some really interesting information. After the game, there was a pool reporter sent in to the crew of referees. It was Jason Gable who made the call, but Ed Malloy was the crew chief. And they went in to Ed Malloy and they said, what was the call? He explained that the call was illegal contact on the lower body by Jalen Brunson contesting this shot, which the replay didn't really support that. And you know what? Good on the refs because they came out when asked and said, okay, they were asked, is this a correct call? And Ed Malloy said, after reviewing the call, we believe this was not the correct call, that he was allowed to return to the floor, was the offensive player, and that this call was incorrect. The last two minutes report today confirmed it. And now the Knicks have filed a protest with the NBA. Eh, okay. I mean, cool. It's a judgment call, and it went wrong, and it went against you. Um, More teams should win protest. It's, it's a judgment call, man. There's just I wish there were more that could be done about this. Look, I'm a Knicks fan. I, if this game, if this game is the difference between the Knicks getting the four seed or the three seed or the two seed, it's gonna suck. It's absolutely gonna be something that I think about. But I also realize that calls happen all year long. They weird calls, bad calls happen all year long. What I can't stand is all of the jabronis out there who are saying that. Ed Malloy is another Tim Donahue. Cut it out. (laughs) Do you think that this guy, who was not the one who made the call, who just happens to have gone to the same high school as Donahue, do you really think that he would tell another referee on the crew to mess up a call and then, in some galaxy brain crap, come out later and say, oh, you know what? We screwed that up. Sorry, my mistake. Do you really think that that's going on? That there's another Tim Donnie? Just because the NBA is getting deeper and deeper involved with sports books, I am the first one to say that all of these partnerships create a perception that the leagues need to be as on the up and up as possible. Look, I'm going to tell you something. Y'all know I'm a referee. I watched that play from the first angle, right? From the usual angle that they show us the angle that comes down center court, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. You could see the body of the shooter turn. And then you see the straight-on angle, and you're like, oh, there's a little bit of contact there. Like, There's no conspiracy, guys. There's no conspiracy. Refs mess up calls. I wish they didn't mess up calls that, you know, screw the Knicks. But, you know, Damon, I just... Spoken like a true I, official. I can't out the conspiracy. I'm not going to go as far as conspiracy, you know, Donahue or anything, but, oh, you played both sides well. That's all I got to say. Oh, thank you, buddy. Thank you. I I appreciate that. I, I, I That's what we're always striving for, right? What, what do they always say? They always, they, they always, they always say that if, the, if, the te- if both teams are mad at the ref, then you must have done your job well, right? Like, nobody thinks... Nobody thinks that you favored him today, so DeMond thinks that I'm a great referee. That's the quote coming out of this one.